Blog Talk Radio. For all the news you need to know, welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. And welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. I want to say happy Tuesday to you guys out there. Hope you've had a fantastic weekend. Hope that this week is kicking off on a great uh, notes and positive note uh, for you guys. And, of course, we are excited, folks. Uh, we have another special guest. Uh, joining us this evening, you guys, we have Veronica Loving. She's going to be joining us as we talk about her book entitled Feeding a Monster, you guys. And so we're going to delve um, into her journey um, and the process of creating this book and being an advocate and spreading the word um, of the awareness. And so, uh, of course, as you guys know, the Beautiful Butterfly Show is brought to you by YRN 1328, uh, which means you're listening to a show that's broadcast globally, you guys. So this shout out to YRN 1328. And, of course, if you're out there and during the broadcast you may have a question or a comment or you just might want to share um, some of your story uh, with our guest tonight. Feel free. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number, you guys. And, of course, we've got to pay a few bills uh, before we get started, and then we're going to come back with our special guest of the evening right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Check out the creative work of the author, Trent Williams, of www.taylorkennedymedia.com. Chapter of the Delta gives us a peek at his life-changing events. And if that's not enough, Trent tells you more about his brothers and his life through memoirs in his book, The Four Horsemen. His blogs and daily stimulating quotes are published in his book, Life's Little Addiction. And when you have a need of some human coaching of life and relationships, take a look at Conversations with Trent, Volume 1 and 2. And Conversations with Trent, Limited Edition. You will find his works available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all online book retailers.
And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. And um, as stated earlier, you guys, we are introducing our special guest of the evening, you guys, Arthur Veronica Loving. Uh, we're going to be talking about her book entitled Feeding a Monster. Uh, once again, make sure you guys share the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those great things uh, so that everybody has the opportunity to listen uh, to this phenomenal uh, dialogue this evening, you guys, as well. And so we're not going to deliver late any longer. We're going to bring the special guest of the hour on here. Veronica, you there? I'm here. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Definitely appreciate you taking the time to join me over here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely, absolutely. So for the folks out here who may not be familiar with who you are, tell us a little bit about who is Veronica Loving. Well, I am a nurse, a first and foremost, a mother, and mm-hmm. I have written a book, and the book is called Feeding a Monster. I also do mm-hmm. motivational speaking. I'm an, a practitioner, a spiritual practitioner as well. So those are the things that I do, and those are the things that brought me, hopefully, to the show. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm running around. <laughs> well, there's a person mowing their lawn out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But, of course, uh, with this, this book, um, because it delves and touches on various topics, uh, take us a, a, a back a bit and Tell us, how did this book come about? Why did you decide that you wanted to share so much of of what you experienced as well as uh, your family experience uh, with the world, so to speak, to read? Well, the book, it deals with so many different subjects, like, um, mm-hmm. and difficult subjects to talk about. And right, right. the reason I wrote it was I felt like I needed to stop hiding the secrets of the predator, if that makes sense. So mm, yeah. I wanted to definitely illuminate and break free from any secrets that held me back or that were causing harm to other people. So right. when when I wrote the book, I um, just went with my story. In the beginning, I, I, went, I was trying to vindicate my daughter or help her validate her feelings because she was feeling so torn right. and um, broken. And yeah. when we started writing, we didn't have any really, we didn't think we would publish. That wasn't the intent. Right. I just wanted to help her get through what she was going through. And once we finished, right. it was like an automatic, this needs to be published. And that's right. the way we went with the book. Absolutely. And so, of course, uh, with this book, um, as, as I mentioned, and, and you stated as well, you know, having to, to deal with so much um, as a mother and mm-hmm. trying to deal with it all. And so take us back to the beginning of this and how it all began for you um, to actually create a, a story about this. So take us back to that moment in time of this relationship where all of these different things were taking place. Well, I was a uh, I married married young, probably like early twenties, mm-hmm. and I was married okay. for over twenty years. Together, we wow. had four kids, and you know our life seemed to be going well. We had our ups and downs, right. 
And, right. you know, when I look back on it, there were probably a lot of downs, but I was just so used to fixing things that we would, you know, I would just go into fix-it mode and just try to, I did my best to keep the family together. Even right. though I had a husband who was deceitful, he um, cheated, you know, all the things that we think are not even acceptable, but normal. And we right. went through all those things. We overcame them. We overcame things. And I thought that we were doing well. But what I discovered is that my ex-husband was actually a sexual predator. That didn't fit wow. into the equation at all. Right. And right. The, the way I discovered it is by through my daughter who he, he assaulted. And yeah. that's how the story begins. The journey begins. And I kind of yeah. take it back and take accountability for who I was that I was able to allow someone to disrespect me, lie, cheat, that that was, you know, why was that okay with me? So Mm -hmm. I kind of went back through my life and figured out the points of where I felt the shifts had changed or where what things have happened to me that made those, those choices acceptable to me. Right. And it just turned into a journey and a cathartic journey at that. Wow. And so being married um, is, is, is work in itself, <laughs> as yes, I always say. Yes. It is work in itself. And so I think a lot of times people, you know, we're excited to say I do because we're happy and we're in love and, you know, but we don't know what's going to come after that. You know, what happens after I do? Right. You know, what happens after the, right. you know, ceremonies and so forth. And so for you going through, you know, being in a marriage for 20 years, during that process um, of him, you know, doing various things, did you, Veronica, find that you yourself, the person who you were coming into that marriage, was changing um, as well? Were you becoming a different person than you, you know, most people were accustomed to, okay, well, this is Veronica. Did you find yourself being a, a different type of Veronica? Um, I think I kept the facade up pretty well. I didn't think that it was a facade at the time. You know, when you're putting a facade Mm -hmm. up, you don't think, oh, I'm putting this facade up. That is a part of your defense mechanism. So I think, and and my energy was so absorbed with balancing this dysfunction and then trying to raise functional, healthy children. So part of it was like, you know, shelter them from, you know, him coming in at four in the morning. Of course, they hopefully they never knew that, but I had to deal with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted us to have a happy, healthy life. And so most of my energy was taken up with the balancing of that, which was difficult. And I think going into that, I just, I just went into it. I didn't put too much thought in, into it. I was young, immature, and my self-esteem was nowhere near where it needed to be. So I absolutely Mm -hmm. didn't know my value and worth. Right. Do you think that you um, marrying so young, and, and like you said, you know, your self-esteem wasn't to where, you know, it, it should have been, do you think that he was mm-hmm. able to also prey on that and, and kind of use that against you because, you know, you, you, you felt that type of way about yourself? Absolutely. I think that was key. Yeah. That's absolutely key. And I think that, you know, people who have that predatory nature, that's what they look for. You know, they need someone mm-hmm. who's unsure of themselves, who, you know, will accept certain things. And I think they test you, you know, you, oh, she'll accept this. So 
you know, they push a little further and they push a little further. Mm -hmm. But there were certain Mm -hmm. principles that I had that would never change. And that was the safety of children and loving, you know, my family. And he pushed too far. And that's when it Mm -hmm. snapped. But he pushed, you know, when he was doing things to me, I, you know, I kept fixing it and changing and bending and being pliable. And, you know, so that's what I definitely want to get out to women and to men that when you're in a relationship with someone, if you have to bend into a pretzel and you're not being Mm. your true authentic self, then there's an issue right there. You don't have to wait for the other shoe to drop. You know, you can, you can step back. And this is a lot of times we do this in marriages. We think we're supposed to compromise so much. Absolutely. And you are, you have to compromise, but not, you don't compromise your integrity and who you are. Just, I think that answers the first question you asked. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and through that process of of marrying him, and 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 I always yeah. say this um, in, in dating, um, we we oftentimes meet the meet representatives of people. Uh, you know, we, we meet the ideal person, and they're putting on, as I say, all the charm and pulling out all the stops. Mm-hmm. And you know, then when you get with them, it's like, well, hey, what happened to that person? <laughs> that person that mm-hmm. you know got my attention, and so and so, did you find yourself um, even years later on in your marriage thinking like, wow, that was. I feel like kind of bamboozled because this is not the person <laughs> I, I met. <laughs> I think with my situation, that's absolutely true. You know, the first three or yeah. four months, you see the person that they want to send. You see, you see their personality, yeah. but their character right. shows up. And once their character yeah. shows up, you need now the mature me or the person that's been through some things. I understand that I need to, my character needs to align with your character in order for us to move right, forward. Right. His character right. was always different. He always did, wow. little, you know, he always had to hook up, you know, he always, and I used to go, oh, well, you know, that's, that's just how he is. He always, you know, we had to hook up on the cable. He had to hook up on the divers. <laughs> but for me, that wasn't what I was about, but I let right. him be himself and I, you know, yeah. covered for him like, okay, that's just how he is. And and no, and he right. was controlling. He would like yeah. little things that you know. Now when I look back, I'm thinking, whoa. But he would want to go out, and he didn't want me to mm-hmm. go out because if I was out too, then maybe I would see him. I'm guessing why he didn't want me to go out. But mm-hmm. he right. would take the distributor right. cap off my car, and wow. I found, you know, it took me months to figure that one out because I'd be like, well, every time I want to go somewhere, my car doesn't start. So I would have to call him. <laughs> Be like, oh, babe, my car's not starting. Oh, I'll get to it when I get back. All of a sudden, my car starts. So finally, one of the mechanic friends of mine, actually it was a friend of his, uh-huh. told me, you do know your distributor cap is off. All you do is put it back on. And I said, well, how did wow. it come off? Somebody takes it off. So things like that. He would hide my keys. Yeah. And I remember I would come up with, and I would one-up him. So I got a bunch of keys made. But I want people to know that that's not the way to go. You don't need to want to right, manipulate right. You need to right, move. Right, so right, right. You know, I was like, oh, no, yeah. he thinks he's going to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. You know, right. that's not a marriage. That's not love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. where I was at, Cause, cause you, you know. Yeah, because you find yourself, you know, competing, you know, competing with this person, you know, in their mentality and their ways. And then you're trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, think of clever ways to outbeat them and outdo them. And you're thinking like, 
this this is not how it's supposed to be. Like this, is not <laughs> and you lose yourself in that. You lose yeah, yourself yeah. in that. Yep. And I, yeah, if you can step out of that. And I remember this is the funny thing. It, it sounds crazy now, but back then I remember it was Steve Harvey. It was on the radio, and there was a lady that called in for the strawberry letter, and she had like mm-hmm. a problem. Her guy was cheating her. Her. And Steve, but the way she she worded it, you know, she's like, "What should I do?" And I was like, "I would." My ears were, "What should she do?" Like, like, <laughs> and waiting for Steve to give me this answer. Why couldn't I figure that out? Like now, it's so easy. But back then, I was in such denial that you know, yeah. even the thought of leaving him and starting all over just wasn't even in my realm. So I was thinking. What can I do to fix this is what I was thinking. And right. I thought Steve was going right. to give me the answer. And his answer kept saying, you know what to do. And I was like, no, well, tell us. Like, come on now, tell us. <laughs> and he never did. He kept saying, you know what? And years later, I was like, duh, of course you know what to do. But I almost yeah. felt like I needed somebody yeah. to say, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Right, right. It seems so and insane for now. You. Absolutely. And for you going through that process, of course, and having, you know, family members or friends or anything, at any point did a family member or even a close girlfriend ever point out and say, Veronica, something ain't right. (laughs) You know, sometimes we have those girlfriends like, girl, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about him. Uh, Did you ever get that from from family and friends? He was such a charmer. That's a yeah. gift of a sociopath. He was such a charmer. Yeah. I think that yeah. a lot of people in my family and friends didn't know what I went through. When they came over, you know, he was cooking dinner, smiling, <laughs> taking care of all of us. You know, we didn't have to lift right. a finger. He was great. So there was a, and I talk about that in the book, the first 10 years, struggle, you know. And it was almost like yeah. we were in boot camp. And then we had a big um, altercation where he actually, I finally busted him cheating, like with my own eyes. There was no way to say that this didn't happen. And that's when I yeah. became revolutionized. And I broke up with him and had this <laughs> big old, you know, found myself moment, you know, but I still turned around right. and had four kids. I was okay with that because I was always a provider, but I was just so right. free. I started speaking and that's when people found out, oh, he cheats, he does this. And that and he came back a whole new man. And when he came, he mm. was in counseling. He was showing up to church. He was everything wow. I ever wanted him Pulling to be. out all the stuff. And he, <laughs> oh, my God. But he he kept it for 10 years. That was the, wow. the second 10 years. Everybody was saying, what a good husband I had. I thought, wow, I didn't hit the jackpot. I had to go through all that to get to where I am now. So I thought it was right. amazing. You know, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, he was. You know, yeah. he wasn't out in the streets anymore. He was home. We were right. doing things together, vacationing that church. And yeah. when he, the big when he when we found out he raped my daughter, and all that happened, and you know that's all in the book of how we dealt with that. Mm-hmm. He was in jail for a time, and I went to see him because I was still trying to convince him not to uh, put her have to have her testify. I wanted him to tell the truth. And we right. were on the phone. He had called me from jail, and I was still on my please don't, you know, blah, blah, mode. And he, and I said, how could this be? I was so stunned. Like, how could you be this person still, you know, after the last 10 years? And he said, oh, I just became a better liar. Mm. I was like, whoa. And I said, what did you say? And he would never repeat it. But I heard him. 
<laughs> so, so duped, like, oh, so yeah. this is all, yeah. you were just working. All the plan, the all the scheme. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he had to keep me because wow. I was the breadwinner. I was the person that kept us sane. You know, I had the good friends. I had, you know, that that was who I was. So he rode off of that. And that kept him, you mm. know, he could be in the dark doing his dirt. And so wow. it was insane. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'll never forget what that, I those do is, words. I, <laughs> what I want to do is I, I want to take a short break, but we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about, um, because um, as Veronica mentioned, um, about her daughter being raped, and so um, oftentimes we don't always hear what, you know, it's like for a parent to hear that, there, you know, someone um, has, you know, committed such a, a, a horrendous act to their child. And so we're going to talk about uh, Veronica's reaction to that and, and dealing with that and, and give some parents some advice who, you know, children, um, they may experience that with their children as well. And so uh, we're going to take a little break, you guys, but we're going to come back with more right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. Hey everyone, it's me, Lisa, from the Conversations with Trent show, featuring, you guessed it, me. Be sure to tune in Friday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, as we strive to guide you to greater authentic living, right here on your radio network, YRN 1328. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. This evening, you guys, we are joined by author Veronica, loving you guys, uh, discussing her book entitled Feeding a Monster. Uh, don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you feel free to hit me up and in- inbox me on Facebook, or you can call in uh, yourself, 347-326-9139 is the number. And before the break, uh, Veronica, I want to talk about that feeling, you know, that moment uh, when you discovered um, that uh, your husband had, in fact, raped your daughter. And so what led up to your daughter coming to you, or how did you discover that she was, in fact, um, raped by him? Well, we had a um, – we were having – we had started a business, and our finances were struggling at the time, so I took on a second mm-hmm. job, and I was – I had to fly out of town to work that job and fly back. So it was a really crazy time. I just started. And my daughter was, you know, they were all good kids. And, you know, they they were, you know, respectable. You know, I trusted them. They trusted us. And my daughter mm-hmm. had started a job in another um, area where I wanted my ex-husband to pick her up because I didn't want her in downtown LA late at night on her own. Mm-hmm. So she called me and said she wanted to talk to me. And I was annoyed because she knew that I was on this seven-day-a-week work crazy hour thing. And I'm like, what could it be? You know, I was more annoyed than I was, like, compassionate at the time. So Mm -hmm. she came and picked me up from the airport, 
and I knew something was wrong, but I still didn't think, you know, what it was. I never in a million years thought that was the case. And when as right, we were driving right. away from the airport, she she started explaining to me, you know, what Dad had done, and mm-hmm. I could not. I, I was I froze because mm-hmm. it felt mm-hmm. like my whole life got murdered. You wow. know, like I don't even know how to explain it. Like we're right. all dead now, and this is a new surreal world. And how am I going right. to, you know, get through this? And right. the, your thoughts, you know, you, they're it's crazy. So we went. All I knew was to do what was best for her, and I just said, well, let's go to the police. Like, I knew she wasn't lying, but I wanted her to be lying, but I knew she wasn't. But she said, okay. So we go straight to the police, and I just sat there frozen. I don't feel like I was as much support as I could have been because I was just stuck. But I was doing the right things, if that makes sense. So I called a friend, and I said, I need you to come down to the police station like I needed help. It was like I needed to help me, and she came right, straight away, right. and that's when we just fell apart. Like then, when I saw another person besides the two people that were in this car with this conversation, that this was real. Like this really just happened. So wow. we went. We didn't even, you know. And he kept calling me the whole time, you know, because we talked to each other maybe a hundred fifty times a day. He's like, "What time are you getting home?" Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And when I was on the phone with him, you would have never known anything was wrong. Because you're in protected mode. You know, my other kids were there with him. I didn't know right. who that person was. I didn't know who that monster was that would have done that to his own child, you know, to our own right. child. So I was in a state of panic, shock, and rage. But, uh, you know, and I did the best that I could at that time. And I'm grateful that I believed her. Because a lot of times, right. from what I'm hearing when I speak around the country is that Absolutely. a lot of parents don't believe their girls or Absolutely. their sons or their Absolutely. relationship is so much more important than their own child. And I know that's just from the hurt or pain that they've gone through. You know, God knows what they went through. Mm-hmm. That, that's a choice that you would make. But thank God that I wasn't at that level. That's, you know, thank God every day for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I recall, uh, when I worked in, in mental health for, for years and, and meeting a, a girl who her and her mom had a very strained relationship to begin with. And, and mom, you know, wanted the boyfriends and she had, you know, different uh, boyfriends pretty much in and out the house. And, and this one boyfriend mm-hmm. came across and he he did, you know, end up raping her. And mom refused to believe it, you know, just – flat out refused, you know, and it did so much damage, Mm -hmm. you know, to Mm -hmm. her emotionally Mm -hmm. um, and physically as well because she's steady trying to prove to her mom, like, look, this man isn't who, you know, you think he is. And and, and sometimes you have a lot of parents who they're so so gun-ho on trying to find their happy they're not worried about their children, you know. They're, they're just trying to focus on them and, and not concerned about the well-being of their kids. So, I mean, it is so true, you know, that you have a lot of parents, unfortunately, who don't believe the words, you know, of their children yeah. and so forth. And so, and I, I also mm-hmm. – I was go just going to add that. I, I, I didn't mention that um, he provided – well, she didn't know, but he gave her the date rape drug. And, wow, she wow. – yeah, that that was his tactic, and he did many, many women. You know, you'll find that out later in the book, but I didn't know that. She didn't know that, but she couldn't move her body. And, you know, I just am so compassionate with 
you know, the victims of the Cosby case, because the way they describe it is very similar to what my ex-husband did. And my ex-husband was a person of authority and, um, you know, especially to his own daughter. And, you know, he played in minor league baseball. So, you know, he was kind of a a figure where everybody looked up to him and thought he was such a great person. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the, with people like that, when they use their power to use, you know to dominate you, that's you know horrible, and it's hard on the right. family and friends and the people that they do it because the people don't want to speak up, Absolutely. you know, because they're afraid. Yeah, absolutely. For you, knowing that this took place with your daughter. Um, mm-hmm. how did I, I'm assuming as being a mom, you kind of went into an even different state of mind because now you're worried about the other welfare um, of your other kids, and so and, mm-hmm. and what's been going on with them, and so for the parents out there, because oftentimes if there's other children in the household and, and one child has experience what your daughter went through, what kind of dialogue mm-hmm. do you have? With the other children, how do you go about having a dialogue, explaining to them, to them, um, you know what what has taken place? Well, that was hard because mm-hmm. you know when it first happens, you don't know who he's done. You know how has he, has he done right. it to your other children? Right. You know, and, right. and knowing our family, I just didn't see that. But obviously, I didn't see this either. So I was open to the. You know, I talked to them individually. I called, you know, my friends and said, talk to your daughters. You know, let's Mm -hmm, make sure mm -hmm. that this is an isolated incident. And for the most part, at the beginning, no one spoke up. My kids for sure said that it never happened. Even the daughter that it actually happened to, she said she's never gotten a vibe that this could have happened. You know, that was her daddy. You know, is all she knew. And um, so then we thought maybe he went crazy, like he lost his mind. Right, but right. then we found out later that he had done it to many women. But most of those people didn't speak up till after the trial because they were mm. hoping that, you know, we got him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. a lot of the women that he was he was a predator over were women who – I wouldn't say necessarily just friends of mine, but people who say they thought he was hot stuff or something and they dated him <laughs> while I'm, he's married right. to me. So they felt bad uh-huh. so that, you know, so uh-huh. he could put him in that position. So what are you going to say? You're going to go right. tell my wife, I'm going to just tell her, you mm-hmm. know, this, I'm assuming yeah. that's how it went. Yeah. So, and not all of them, but a lot of that, you know, had occurred. And one of my nieces spoke up, you know, after my daughter spoke up and that's when I almost had almost died because I knew this was way bigger than I even imagined, you know, and that was one of the reasons I needed to write the book is because I have to protect other women. If I see this predator and you don't, it's my responsibility to say, Hey, this, this is Mm. what this, this is what this man is capable of. You know, it's not, you're not safe. Absolutely. And that's what I did. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and for the and I'm other glad you, kids, the girls. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I'm, I'm glad you said that because oftentimes I think that women who have, you know, um, being in these situations where men have, pre, you know, committed these acts against them, oftentimes you, they see them, you know, going off and maybe they've married somebody else and they got this whole family life. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people assume, well, 
you know, maybe he's different now, you know, and I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. because he's married or have kids or whatever. But I think, you know, it is. It is up to you to have that conversation. Now, whether the wife or girlfriend, whomever is going to believe you, that's, that's a whole different story. Right. But but the thing is right. that you were, you know, bold enough and courageous enough to let them know, hey, this is what I went through, and I just want to let you know right. what I experienced, you know, with this. And exactly. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not about, like, getting him or anything like that. You know, vengeance right. is mine, right. says the Lord. That's not my business. But what right. I am going to do is protect my kids and, you know, yeah. hopefully protect someone else. And when we started talking about it with other people, it's not about mm-hmm. the predator, you know, pray for them right. and hope they get help. But what it is, it's yeah. about illumination. It's about the secret. Absolutely. It's about the family who thought that it was best to keep this a secret. That's probably why he developed into the, you know, person that he was because there's, he's done it before. Right. He's done it many yeah. times before. And I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't know. And many people kept it a secret. His, some of his family members wanted me to continue to keep this as a secret. And I think that's where we all go wrong in society. When we protect the predator, we're so worried about the outcome of what people may think when the most important thing is, did I validate the victim? Did I say this is not your fault? Did I say that right. was wrong for that person to do? Right. You know, that's what we need to say. Right. That's where we decide we need to be on. You know, my youngest daughter, I think she's had the hardest time because she um, was really a daddy's girl. Hmm. And, you know, he his true colors came out after all of this. He, you know, she, you know, I told her you're supposed to still love your father, but she tries and she tries, and he, you know, rejects her. And I think maybe she reminds him of his old life. I don't know, but or I don't, you know, I can't speak for him, but I know that a lot of pain has transpired by this one incident that he chose to do. And she's doing so much better now. And she's learning that, you know, sometimes you can love people from afar. You know, you can, even if somebody does something horrible, that doesn't mean you don't love them. You wish they would do something Mm -hmm. different and you could pray for them. But, you know, that's where she is with that. Absolutely. And how do you, with that process, because a lot of times, you know, when we hear stories and, and people share their stories such as yourself, our first reaction is, Man, what would I have done, or what my what would my reaction have been if I was in this predicament? And so, for you, how did you go about trying to make sure, you know, that your children continue to, you know, like you said, with your 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 youngest daughter, have somewhat of a positive and still loving um, mentality when it comes to their father? Because the first thing people would think is, you know. Kids are going to, you know, hate their father. They're going to dislike him. How did you try to still keep their relationship with him going strong by, but at the same time, you know, trying to to deal with all of what was going on? Well, I think that, um, for one thing, he he couldn't have a a physical relationship with them anymore because I needed to protect them from whatever he he was going through. But, um, I felt like I thought of him like my son and my son I adore. And if he did anything as horrific as this, which I know he wouldn't, what would I do? And of course Mm -hmm. what I wanted would have done is put him in jail, just like I did my ex-husband and I would love him through it as far as prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, 
sending him care packages, whatever needs to be done, and working on the healing of our family. But what I wouldn't do is protect that lie. And so that's what right. me and my the kids kind of went through. It wasn't easy. Like, this was not an easy journey for any of them. And right. they all have their individual right. stories. But it was it was pretty yeah. much like we got dropped into hell. And I had to wow. hold on to them as we climbed out, which was hard to mm. because I was in hell myself. You know, my feet were burning right. too. It's not easy. Right. So <laughs> right. Right. Describe it, it. It was a hard, hard journey. And I would, I had to let go of fear of losing them because I was so afraid that they might, you know, um, you know, be on drugs or lose their way or, you know, and, and they did. Right. They slipped a little, not all of them, but in different ways. And yeah. they found their way back. So the, the healing Absolutely. part and the, the message in that and the triumph is, in that is that we go through things, your foundation of who you are. I knew they were good people. They've come yeah. back and they're yeah. reaching out and helping other people, you know, but they have a story to tell now, you know, it's, it, you yeah. don't ask for it, but you can't run away from it when you get it. When you get that right. testimony. Absolutely. Absolutely. And throughout all of this, Veronica, how did you stay mentally stable through all of this? Because I'm thinking, okay, as a wife, <laughs> well, <that's relative. laughs> as a wife, you're you're feeling already one way, you know, because you're you're enduring Ooh. all this, and then here comes the you know the child factor of you know somebody doing this to your child, and and so you just yeah. <laughs> feeling all different type of emotions and. So how did Veronica oh stay emotionally stable as possible during something like yeah. this? Well, I'd like to say about that, it, it wasn't me. You know, it wasn't me saying, okay, I'll be stable and I'll make it. It was God. And it was the years of prayers prior. It was, it. you know, when you pray, you think you're praying for one thing. You, you're really just praying for yourself. You're praying for, right. you know, you know, love or whatever you're praying for, healing for someone, mm-hmm. that's for you as well. So when those right. prayers that I've done over the years and people, you know, I think I sat on those. I think they carried me because mm. I, even, I remember we met with a therapist. I thought, you know, the best thing to get the kids into therapy, we all went together. And the therapist, I mean, I know she thought this is a mess, like this is a wreck. And she said, you're going to fall. Like she pointed to me and she said, you're going to crumble. And when that day comes, you know, you need to make sure you have somebody available. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I wanted to write that in my notebook. I'm going to crumble, but I ain't got time right now. You know, (laughs) and I heard people, I just didn't have time for that. Like I had to save my babies. And that's your first priority as a mother. And then I thought I'll deal with me later. So, yeah, you know, there's some issues I think that I have and that, but I finally started taking the time to resolve them. And I think the book, writing the book was one of the main things because I got to analyze myself during that and I had to say, oh, that's why I did that. Or that's why I felt that way. That's why I didn't, you know, feel beautiful or whatever the situation may be. And then I can let it go and forgive myself because I know absolutely without a doubt that I would never put my kids in harm's way on purpose. But what I didn't understand is when you don't allow, when you allow people to mistreat you, you are setting an example of putting in, Mm. and that's putting your kids in in harm's way in the future. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I had to apologize to my kids and they're just like, Oh, there's nothing to apologize for. I'm like, Oh yes, it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know the things that you absolutely saw, the person that I could have been. Yeah, yeah. Because we're we're sitting back and we we and and kids are very impressionable. And I never really yes. took that into consideration until I had my own. And she's mm-hmm. three, but with a mindset of like mm-hmm. a ten year old. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and a lot of times and I say stuff and sometimes she might repeat and I'm thinking like, oh, oh boy. yeah, okay. So, yeah. And, and like you said, not thinking that, okay, if, if she sees me or, you know, for you, if your kids see you allowing someone to treat you in a certain manner um, or even mm-hmm. you acting in a certain way, when they get older, mm-hmm. get in relationships, and, and their mind process is, well, mom did this. Mom had this type mm-hmm. of relationship, and, you know, mom yeah. allowed this type of thing, or dad did this and so forth. And so, you know, and, and we don't always think about that. And, and to, you know, get in that it's process and say, you know what, thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, like I'm going to stop this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you, you have the ability to change what people see, you know. You just have mm-hmm. to make the choice. Absolutely. If you want to make those changes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I Absolutely. think that, you know, so, having kids okay. young, you don't think that stuff through, and you just want to yeah. love somebody, and you have this baby. But there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And you come, yeah. like for me, my parents were together for a long time. They weren't bad people, but there was a lot of broken right. things that I mm-hmm. saw. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mom didn't think right. she was beautiful. She didn't think she was, she was always talking about how she was too fat. She probably was 130 pounds wet, you know, and wow, that that yeah. was my, that's what I felt about myself. And I don't yeah. blame her, but I thought, it, you know, I can stop this cycle now. You know, I can love mm-hmm. myself, you know, at whatever size I am, however, and stop this madness of talking about myself because I'm totally giving that to my kids. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, some, that's something else I learned through this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what I want to do is I want to take a short break, but we want to talk about the healing factor because through through it all um, of things that we experience, there is that moment of, of forgiveness and healing and growth. Uh, and so we want to talk about that type of transformation uh, so that the people are able to hear that as well, you guys. So we're going to come back uh, with more Veronica loving you guys right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. What do you get when you fuse together a smooth, debonair man with an explosive volcano attitude? Mr. Quincy O'Reilly, a man living a secret life that he has perfected in keeping a secret. With his hidden profession, that is how he would prefer it to be. Who doesn't like the element of surprise? A true businessman by day and mysterious man by night. Will he be able to maintain the two without getting caught? Innocent and sweet doesn't mean powerless. Just ask Kaylee Jack, who has now had the chance to encounter meeting Quincy. Driven to stake claim in the one man she wants, she tackles the obstacles thrown her way. Determined that nothing will stand in her way could be deadly. What happens when Quincy's secrets are revealed? Who will be set free? Who will be pulled deeper into a mysterious world? Or will the lies and secrets destroy anyone in its path after the smoke from the gun has cleared? Check out Quiet Storm by Arthur Deidre Lachey. Available on Amazon.com and 
www.blackbeautypresents.com. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And we are joined by Veronica Loving, you guys, author of Feeding a Monster. And, of course, um, Veronica, I have to ask, when it comes to um, the title of this book, um, Feeding mm-hmm. a Monster, and oftentimes, and I read about a lot of times we don't realize that we are continuing to feed people's addiction or, you know, their mm-hmm. anger, their rage in different type of forms and manners. And so um, in, in, in seeing this title, I said, man, this could go a lot of ways. And so for you, what does feeding a monster entail? Well, I, just like you said, I think it's feeding, it's a metaphor, And when you feed things that don't serve you, so anything that is causing your life distress or, you you know, making you miserable is a monster. So if you Mm -hmm. feed yourself like your low self-worth and you tell yourself, you know, you have that chatter that you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you feed that and then that's what becomes of you. You become fat and ugly or whatever that you pay attention to. And then you attract those things that validate that for you. So people will mistreat you. Actually, you allow people to mistreat you because you don't value yourself. So when you change that and you stop feeding monsters, you start feeding your soul, which means you uh, you stop yourself when you start having that negative chatter. You do some sort of um, spiritual practice daily so that you have a better quality of life, you know, and your perception shifts and you can start looking at things through the eyes of love and compassion and forgiveness. And it starts with yourself. You know, you start forgiving yourself. And then you become a person, you start understanding your value, your worth, and then you don't allow certain things to happen to you. You know, it's an easy fix if somebody's mistreating you and you feel you understand that it's clear. You step away, you walk away in love. You know, you don't have that negative cycle that you have to go through and trying to figure out what's going on, you know, or what's wrong or why this person doesn't like me. Because if you thought you were great and the person doesn't like you, you can just let it go. But that sounds simple, but that's years of work for me. (laughs) It's not as simple as it sounds. I think for us all. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like, yeah, Yeah. no, because you see how long it took me. <laughs> and of course, uh before the break, um I, I wanted to talk about definitely the the healing and the forgiveness process um of this all. You know, experiencing so many things for twenty years and, and seeing your marriage, you know, go through different um highs and lows and, and all those those things and so through all of this, at one point, or have you gotten to the point of forgiving him for these things that have taken place um, with your marriage, with your children, and how did you come about to that point of, you know what, Veronica has to has to forgive? Um, I absolutely have forgiven him, but it's in layers. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. you know, you, you I, I don't even think about him hardly at all. But when I, yeah. if one of my kids has a problem, you know, like with their relationship or something, and I know mm-hmm. it's directly related to, you know, this whole situation, that's when I, it like, it'll come up again, like, but like dog on you work again. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you, you choice words. Yeah, yeah. Daily <laughs> hatred. He can't yeah. have any more of my time. He can't take yeah. up any more of my head. You know, and I had mm-hmm. to actually forgive myself. That was the most important thing, forgiving him all of that time. Because right. I, when we first divorced, on, on top of all the horrible things that happened, I was also 20 years older. You know, I'm thinking, you wait, and you steal all my youth. He, I felt like he was the keeper of my youth. He had all the photos, yeah, yeah. every trip that we had been on, he's in it. And I'm like, you stole it all. You know, <laughs> I'd yeah. hear that and say, this is why you are who you are today, Veronica. You know, as a child, right. you knew you were here for a purpose. You forgot for a long time. And now right. this is your purpose. No, I wouldn't have chosen this. I wouldn't have said, okay, yeah, I want to understand sexual assault and rape and abuse. But it, it, it's yeah. my journey and it's my purpose. And there's so much hurt in the world that this is what I'm here for. And it started with, you know, even prior to my ex-husband, I was molested as a child, not by a family member, thank God. Yeah. But regardless of who it was by, but that makes it more complicated is why I say that. Yeah. But yeah. it changes to the trajectory of who you were going to be. So Absolutely. all that was so unresolved for so long. And this this was the manifestation, this marriage, this person that I had led in my life, this time that I had to spend getting it together was a uh, manifestation of that moment of when I, I was mm-hmm. molested. So now I'm free right. from all of that. You know, I've broken free and it's it's amazing. So I'm in a way, which sounds really disturbing, I'm thankful. And I'm thankful mm-hmm. that for whatever I've gone through, because that's what life is all about, is the healing, the journey. You know, if it was so easy, then it would be, everybody would be, you know, kumbaya. Actually, we'd be in heaven, right? But we're here to learn, teach, and help. And I think that the tough ones get chosen for the tougher tasks. And I just happen to be chosen for this tough task, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and being a a motivational speaker and advocate for sexual assault and abuse victims, what is that like for you? going, you know, around the world, speaking to different people um, about this. Because a a lot of times, you know, when you have already dealt with a situation like that, sometimes, you know, just hearing somebody else's story kind of takes you back to your own story and things that Mm -hmm. you've dealt with as well. And so for Mm -hmm. you, why have you also become so passionate about getting out here and spreading the message of awareness when it comes to sexual assault and abuse? I think because I see the devastation that it can cause when you don't speak about it. And Mm -hmm. I see that that was the creator of my ex-husband. I don't know what he's gone through, but I know that his family has a lot of this in it. And it's, you know, that that's where the sickness brewed. Right. And then I was a perfect recipe because I had my own sexual assault that was never dealt with. So, right. For me, just shining a light on it has freed myself, and I see the freedom in other people. 
But I also think there's a responsibility, just like you said, when I'm speaking or if I do a workshop and I have a responsibility to those people that I brought those memories back up and now, you know, I have to give them tools. I have to, you know, be able to be available or have make sure that they're provided with source resources that they can, you know, help them deal with it. It's not a Mm -hmm. one-day process. You know, I wish I could walk in and wave my magic wand and it's gone, but at least we're starting the conversation. You know, at least, you know, just like if the world starts talking about it, if we stop, then one person will say, hey, this isn't right, and I'm going to speak up, and then that one stops. And then it's a ripple effect, and we're going to stop this. We're going to make this not that bad secret that no one can talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what do you think? How How do we, as families, and I say specifically, families, but especially mm-hmm. e- even African-American families. You know, the, those types mm-hmm. of topics can be, wow, something else to, to have a discussion about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like, you know, you, you just want to, you know, sit down and kind of have a, a come to Jesus moment, you know, and, yes. and, and, and discuss them. And a lot of times it can be hard because a lot of, families unfortunately have been under that motto of whatever goes on mm-hmm. in our household stays in our household. You know, we don't uh, speak absolutely. of it. So we've had cousins and uncles who have committed these type of acts or even people who have been victims mm-hmm. of these type of acts who, you know, have dealt with this stuff for 20 years and, and never said anything until mm-hmm. much later in life, if they said anything at all. Mm-hmm. So You're right. how do we break that cycle and how do we – as parents, you know, have those conversations with our kids about, you know, trying to find out to make sure that they are safe and, and that they're not, you know, mm-hmm. being victimized. Well, that's the answer is twofold to that. Um, you are absolutely mm-hmm. right, especially being African-American. And, you know, even, yes. um, you know, there are other cultures that are very similar, if not more right. Um, right. into this. But what we need to do, you're going to have to find some heroes in the family and, and courageous folks that are willing to step out. Like me saying this, Mm -hmm. people aren't happy about it. You know, I'm sure people wish I would shut up, you know, like shut up. (laughs) No, if I shut up, then I silence that one person that was ready to speak. You know what I mean? So no, I'm not the most popular person all the time. And you have to be okay with that. So the person that starts right. speaking has to be okay with that. Your mother, if she covers it up, it's because of her own pain. She didn't want to cover mm-hmm. that up. So we're giving people permission to say, you know what, yeah. you can stand up, you can speak out, and it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Absolutely. You know, you're going to make it through Absolutely. this. And if you if your dynamics of your family changes, then so be it. You know, because yeah. living in a secret can't be, you know, it's not happy anyway. You know, fake love mm-hmm. is not love. So I want the that's real right. stuff. I want the authentic <laughs> stuff. So that's why I'm speaking up. And the people that fell away, then so be it. And it's Absolutely. not easy, you know, but that's what you yeah. got to be ready to do, you know. And and you got to yeah. be a warrior for these kids. You know, we cannot continue this pattern. We cannot right. say that this is okay because we are hurting right. our own children and our own families, and that's not okay. But this happens Absolutely. in the richest of rich families, and they hide it, and mm. it happens in the poorest oh, poor. Yes. And it, it goes across yes. all color lines, all gender lines. That's you right. know, boys are being yes. molested and raped as well. Mm. So Absolutely. it's going to take people like me, people like you that, you know, have this platform 
and aren't yeah. afraid to talk about it. And we're going to change the world. We're going to do it. We just got to, you know, <laughs> keep speaking about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And as far as Absolutely. telling you, talking to your kids about it, mm-hmm. the other part yeah. of your question, we all do that. I think most people know now, especially with the Oprah show and all that stuff, that this this is a possibility yeah. that can happen right under your nose. We know yeah. that. Right. But what you think is, if I talk to him about it, you know, that it won't happen to mine, you know, and you're mm-hmm. diligent, you watch for it. But there's two, mm-hmm. two parts to that. When it's the same thing, if your attention is on it, you're going to create it. You know, you're going to, it's going to, it may mm-hmm. happen because you focused on it. So what you have to yeah. do is try to let go of that fear that it may happen and you work on the love and the relationship with your children. And that yeah. is where my, you know, it did happen to my child, even though I felt so diligent and I watched for it. But my child spoke up. Thank God. And that's yeah, all we absolutely. can ask. We pray that it never happens and we're going to do the work to eradicate it. But in the meantime, absolutely. we're not going to put the fear of God in our children. But we are going to give them right. the, the platform and the understanding that they can tell us anything, anything. Absolutely. You know, their sexuality, absolutely. whatever. So once they're absolutely. clear on that, they will tell you anything. And you have to be ready <laughs> to fight for them right. or to do what you need to do when it speaks up, and, you know, in love. So I think Absolutely. that's kind of like the two parts to that question. Absolutely. And we have a got a couple inboxes from some people listening. And Erica from Atlanta, uh, she wants to know, mm-hmm. after enduring all of this in your marriage for 20 years, how mm-hmm. do you look at men now? Because oftentimes we see where women have been in relationships with men and Things may have transpired, and so it caused them to, you know, have some issues, to to feel some hurt and rage when it comes to men Mm -hmm. and how they think all men are. So how did you keep yourself from thinking negatively about other men that may, you know, come along in in the future? That's a great question, and I made a conscious decision not to turn off to love because, you know, I only live once, and I want that love. You know, I want a relationship where I'm valued and, you know, and I'm loved and cherished, and I refuse to give up on that. And one of the examples that I use is I have a son, you know, and my son is amazing. Yeah. He loves me unconditionally. So I can't say that right. all men are bad because I have this beautiful son. You know, my father right. has never physically abused me or sexually assaulted anyone. I have a great, you know, like that's a great example of that. So what I did is shift right. my perception, and I looked toward people who were not that, if that makes sense. So, you know, Reverend Michael mm-hmm. um, Beckwith, I don't know if you ever heard that. So um, my pastor, and I've known him since I was a child, he's awesome. You know, I have so many yeah, examples yeah. of great men that I'm like, okay, so when a bad apple comes up, we can point that out. Oh, that's a bad apple. Yeah. But that doesn't yeah. mean the whole barrel is bad. I'm still going to eat apples. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, that's where we have to shift our perception. And I'm not going to allow him to steal my joy. He's not taking my sexuality. He's not taking my love. You know, I'm not giving it all to him. Yeah. That was 20 years. Right. I gave enough, enough of that. That's right. So that's what Absolutely. I encourage people to do. Look for the, you know, the good people in, in your life. Absolutely. Great men. Absolutely. Um, Donna from California uh, wanted to know, as far as your daughter, 
um, how has she learned? How has this process, how, how have you seen um, this process change her um, over the years? So since, you know, that moment where you discovered that she had, in fact, been raped to mm-hmm. where we are now, how have you seen it change her in good ways or, or bad ways um, mm-hmm. over, over the period of time? Well, um, it was super traumatic for her as well, especially yeah. uh, probably more so than for anybody else. And she yeah, went, what, right. went through what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And yeah, she writes about yeah. that in the book. I didn't understand it. And I don't want to say just as a black parent, but when you want to say an African-American parent the way we are, we're like, uh-uh, we're going to pull up, up from a bootstrap. You know, we're going to make it. <laughs> I didn't have, you know, years Get it of together. therapy. <laughs> to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to pull up and make it. And that was my attitude, which is probably not yeah. the best for a post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder person. So my daughter right. taught me through what she was learning. But you think I couldn't go to work and work two, three, four, five shifts to make sure that she had a therapist, to make sure she had everything wow. she needed? Some yeah. of the therapists yeah. I thought were cuckoo and wacky, but we made it. <laughs> you know, we, we moved through yeah. it. She went Kinds of stuff. And I'll let her tell that story more. Than, she has more of an insight on that because obviously she didn't want yeah. to tell me everything because she felt guilty. Yeah. But she also, yeah. you know, she got into drugs. And I was stunned because, you know, we weren't a family that used drugs. That's the one thing we made it through. And then she gets into drugs. But that was to help her, you know, cope. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, she went through rehab and she is a drug counselor. She's been sober wow. for over a year and a half. She has an amazing daughter. Amazing. You know, you should hear her oh, speak. She's a beautiful yeah. soul. She's a singer. She's eclectic. You know, she's the person of reason in our family, even though we thought she was the most ditzy one. She's actually the, you know, the, the anchor. And, yeah. you know, all the kids have blossomed into, like, great, awesome people, even though they right. have this big scar and we call it our scar you know we've been scarred but gosh we're gonna make beautiful flowers on top of our scar you know we're gonna tattoo it pretty and it's all good (laughs) you know we're we're doing really really well and we know i don't think that we're not going to have any more bumps in the road you know that would be silly for me to say i wish that i could you know say that that would never happen but we also know how we what our characters were in this adversity what what did we Absolutely. do? We reached out and tried to Absolutely. help other people. So now we know that about our characters. So we know we can make it through anything. You know, that's not inviting anything, but we can make it through anything. And hopefully we can be an example and help us heal, you know, other families and other people so that this world, you know, can have a little more love in it. Absolutely. And Jared from Trinidad uh, wants to know as far as love your Trinidad. Son, <laughs> as far as your as your sons um, and 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 seeing how they um, seen this whole thing play out with their dad and their sister, mm-hmm. what are their thoughts and how do you continue to educate young men, especially now? You know, uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to our, our young men and, and being so impressionable and seeing things that take place in their lives. Uh, he wants to know how have you tried to make sure that they have the understanding that what their father did, you know, was not right, was not appropriate. I love that question because nobody ever asked about my son. I love that because <laughs> men have a complete different perspective on everything. Right. And I've right. learned Absolutely. so much through my son. 
Now, my son is adopted, and I say that to say, just to give you a little insight on our family, Mm -hmm. we adopted Mm -hmm. him when he was three. That's my baby. You know, there's no difference between him and my other children at all, except for he was chosen is what I tell him. You were chosen. You know, I I got to pick, and I got to pick you. He went into protective mode of his mom and his sisters. He's the only boy. Him, he... Him and his father never really connected too much, and I think it's because as okay. a man, you can see that falseness in him, and he just didn't have mm. a big connection with his dad. Right. And now, you know, right. when you ask him, he, you know, he's like his sisters and his mom's well-being is first and foremost. He has right. no space, time, or energy for any neglect on any women, or not necessarily neglect, yeah. but um, abuse to any women. Yeah. To women in yeah. general, and I think that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. about him. And part, you know, when his sister when told us, and when he found out about it, the first thing he said to her was he was proud of her, and he was proud oh. of her because he knew how big this was for her to say something because of how, you know, boisterous and controlling and, you know their father was, you know. So you you yeah. know he knew the the magnitude of what she did. And he was there 100%. And he's still, you know, that, that strong presence for us. But I think the, the, the caveat to that is that he feels so much of a burden as the man of our family. And I wish right. I could lift that a little right. bit from him, you know, because he doesn't have to take on all of us as the man. <laughs> but that's what he feels. Right. And, you know, we let right. him do that. And, you know, we're happy to have him. And hopefully, you know, he, he doesn't have a relationship yet, so I can't really say how that has turned out. But hopefully he, you know, I can imagine him to treat his wife amazing because right. he's a good man to, you know, to his sisters and his mom. So absolutely, does that answer the absolutely. question that he asked? I, I definitely oh, well, believe another it thing does. With the men. Another thing with the men, I had a radio show asked me about date rape and I think yeah. that one, a lot of the guys don't understand that if you have a young lady and she is intoxicated and cannot make decisions, mm-hmm. you know, you she's floppy, mm-hmm. you're pulling, and she's not a, that's rape. Even if she's like, yeah, yeah. give it to me, whatever she said, that's rape. So you, these young men, especially young athletes, young, you know, African-American yeah. men, all young yeah. men, we need to understand yes. that that's not acceptable. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they thought, yep. you know, one, one of the young men called me up and said, oh, my God, I thought that, you know, we would give them drinks to get them loose. And it's like, yes. no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no. And, you know, obviously they had no idea that that was a crime. Absolutely no yeah. idea. And the yeah. ones that are going to get caught up is when they want it to be a crime. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Meaning, after the person's drunk, all of a sudden they didn't like what happened. They don't remember. Mm-hmm. They can't consent. You have now committed a crime. Your life is over. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're African American, yep. your life is over. Definitely. So we got to be completely cognizant <laughs> of teaching our sons that. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so true. You know, so true because, and, and I do, I remember college days and I remember, and I, mm-hmm. and I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it myself back then of, 
you know, going to the house parties and seeing girls get excessively drunk. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you sit back sometimes and it, and it kind of hurts your heart because you don't know what happened like when you left those parties and those girls right. were there, you know, right. because you're thinking, okay, well, they're drunk, they're having a good time, I'm going back, you know, I'm going mm-hmm. back to campus or mm-hmm. I'm leaving. So you don't know what happened when you when you left or what you took pl- you know, yep. what took place until later on somebody might have came out and said, you know, Something had happened at a party, or you know, all these different things. <coughs> excuse me, all these different things, and so a lot of times we don't always think about that. You know, we don't process. Okay, mm-hmm. well, what's really happening? We're, you know, we're so caught up in the moment of of having a good time, and so we're not even thinking about that. But it, it takes that now. Like now, you have to already have your mind <laughs> ready for what mm-hmm. could be. You know, because it's serious now because people are getting all kind of allegations, you know, committed against them. And like you said, it's really mm-hmm. destroying people's lives, you know, really mm-hmm. destroying people's lives. You know, and also when you look we at the have whole to understand, too, that some of these young men are predators now. Yeah. And I remember yeah. my ex-husband, and I wish you guys could see him con- Cool as heck. Everybody loves him. He was at those parties, <laughs> putting, those, putting yeah. you know, stuff in people's drinks. So I wow. had heard about that. My father had told me that, and I just was like, whatever. Like, that just seems so foreign. Nobody's putting that in my drink. Yeah. But yeah. my ex-husband was doing it right under my nose, you know, and he had been doing it for years. You know, and that's all we found wow. out later, but... That's what I'm yeah. saying. So, and then I find out there's so many people that have done this. You, they take the capacity, um, the decision making from the woman, and they just take advantage of them. So, right. young ladies too, we have to remember that. Cover your drinks. Don't you know? Let anybody bring you a drink. You know, all of those things. We need to really, really be careful. And then you know, the friends yeah. they have to you know, don't leave one behind. No man left behind. That's don't right. Leave that's right. No matter what she says, yeah. she can when she's awake Absolutely. and alert, and she want to go back over there, then that's her decision. Yeah, but yeah, yeah because it can happen it's a lot, mm-hmm. and those things happen so quickly. You know, especially with the date rape mm-hmm. rules, because you know yeah. it only takes them a few seconds to kind of sprinkle it in your drink or whatever, and, and yeah. next thing you know, you're you, you know you're shooting it back, and and all different things are happening. So yeah, you got to stay alert. You got to stay alert and be always be aware and I just of didn't your think that that was yeah. like something that black people did. I just I, I know that yeah. sounds naive and crazy, but no, I, like, I definitely agree like, with you. I, for the world. longest time, I felt yeah. I felt the same way. I was yeah. like, black, black folks don't do that, you know? Like we, yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. So it's true, amazing. so true. Like yeah, we got to definitely definitely watch our girls and our guys, you know, young men as well. And I'm glad yeah. that they're starting to understand that. Um, you know, drinking, giving somebody something to drink is the same thing. Getting them a nib, you know, giving yeah. them too much beer pong or whatever you're doing. You got to be really mm-hmm. careful. Absolutely. So, Veronica, at the end of the day, with this book, and mm-hmm. when people go out and they purchase this book, what 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 most importantly do you want them to walk away um, and take from this book when after they finish reading? I want them to see that you don't have to stay a victim. You know, you may have been a victim, but that doesn't have to define you. And I, I right. think that it's, um, you know, the journey, we're here for the journey. And don't feel sorry right. for me. Learn from me. You know, that's really what, mm-hmm. what I want people to see. You know, just learn from me and, and make your life better. 
you know, and reach back and help somebody else. Absolutely. 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 Oh, and I do have one last question from a listener, uh, which this is an excellent mm-hmm. question. Darren, he says, I'm a single father of two teenage girls. He says, mm. how do I how do I continue to build up their self-esteem when it seems that teenage boys do everything possible to tear them down? You know, because nowadays mm. we're living in a society of social media and, you know, they, they want the girls to look a certain way and do this and that and the third. How do we encourage our young ladies um, as far as their self-esteem? Um, because a lot, of course, nowadays, especially in a situation such as this, and and you know, um, and you talked about it for yourself that you you often you know you you took blame for some of the things that happened when it came to your marriage mm-hmm. and so forth. And so, mm-hmm. with the young girls, a lot of times, you know, we feel like we are the blame for being raped, for being molested. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have dressed mm-hmm. this way, or maybe I shouldn't have went to mm-hmm. that party or drank this. How do we continue to build our our young ladies' self-esteem? I love that question, especially coming from a father, because that is the most imperative, important role for a young lady. And um, absolutely, there's four things that are really important for a, a man to do for his daughters, and one is to praise them. So you you let them know that they're beautiful just as they are. You know, you remind them of their their strength, their, you know, how smart they are and their validity. You provide that for them from, from day one. You know, you remember to say those things, not just think it and tell other people. You remember to tell your daughters that and also to right. provide for them because when you're a provider, you that tells your daughter she's worthy. She is right. worthy. A man, my daddy is providing for me. I am worth something. And also right. – um, there's a few more. So you and to be their protector, you know. There's four things: it's provide, praise, protect, and one other one that I can't think of right now. But if we do those things, especially our fathers, mm-hmm. that it, it it makes a huge difference in a girl's life. It right. makes a huge difference Absolutely. because she feels solid in her foundation. So her foundation is solid. And then she can, she'll recognize abuse or she'll recognize someone who's not really there for her. And she'll actually come to you and talk to you about it versus someone who didn't have that relationship. And the fourth thing I remember is presence. So you want to be present for your, your daughters and not just, I, you know, I'm home every day by six o'clock. You want to be present. You need to know their friends. You need to know what they're thinking about. You need to be you know, in their heads, talking to them, laughing with them, and, and getting to know them as people and respecting them Absolutely. for who they are. And once, and if, if you can get those four down, you got it made. You know, the, those, the young women with that full set, even if you, your father is there, lives with you or not, if you can get, if that happens for, you know, those, for that four combination comes together and it comes together well, those daughters, they don't have self-esteem issues. So I'm glad you asked that question. And I'm glad it was a man that's in the process that asked it. So hopefully he can use that and um, with his daughters. And as far as the girls that are being molested or you asked me something about them being molested and what we can do to protect them. Is that what you said? I'm not sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it goes back to the same thing, just knowing that we have this open communication that we can, um, that they know that there's someone there that is going to listen to them. You know, and one of the things I did with my kids, and that I think of that is really good with my grandkids as well, if they don't want to hug somebody or don't want to sit up, kiss them, you know, I don't make them. You know, as long as they're respectful yes. and polite, oh my goodness. I don't push yes. that. Like, yes. hug someone. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> and yes, and I listen to them. You know, they 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 have wisdom. You know, and I think that you know, little kids have a lot of things to say. Yes, we have to um, chastise them and do what we need to do to make sure that they you know understand their limits or what they should or shouldn't say in certain situations. But definitely, they need to have a forum where they know that to mom and dad or whoever their provider is that they have a voice and they can speak and that they are heard and validated. Absolutely. 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 And I love what you said about, you know, not forcing kids to to hug or, or give someone a kiss because you know, sometimes people, you know, they, they get a little bit in their feelings, you know, if they feel like the kid is not, you know, responding yeah. to them in a certain way. But for me, I just, I just go with my kids' energy. You know, I think that mm-hmm. little kids have a way of feeling people's energy that we, we as adults, mm-hmm. you know, some of us haven't tapped into that, you know, quite yet. And mm-hmm. so, I think they have a great discernment for, no, this is not, you know, this is not what I want to do. This is not a a good vibe right here. So Mm -hmm. you, I think it's it's best to, you know, take awareness of that, you know, not saying that that person is evil or or whatnot, but just go with the good instinct of of what your child is. Yeah. Yeah. So they understand they have the right to say no. You know, a lot of us, you know, were raised where we don't have the right to say no to to authority. No, no, no. Right. You can say no in a polite, yeah. respectful manner. Yes, you can, and I'll yeah. back you on that. But I'll teach them yeah. like, yeah. and that, that that lets you know that I have your back and that you have the right to say no. And I Absolutely. think that's super important, Absolutely. especially for young ladies and men. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, of course, um, Veronica, for the folks out here, um, and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. definitely will want to uh, read this book, um, tell them where they can go to purchase Feeding a Monster. Okay, you can go to Amazon.com and you make sure it's Feeding a Monster because there's another book called The Monster. It's not that one. It's Feeding a Monster by Veronica Loving. Also, you can go on my website, veronicaloving.com. They can also follow me on I Am Veronica Loving on Instagram and Facebook, I Am Veronica Loving, and Twitter, um, Loving Veronica One. And that's where we can, you know, usually communicate with people on Twitter. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I definitely uh, just want to thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, on here tonight, and I've definitely learned um, so much, uh, so much from you um, and your story um, and your daughter and just the whole family's um, experience with this. And I'm glad that uh, you were able to speak out about this because oftentimes, you know, there are so many people um, as we say, you know, living in, in homes and, and, and living a certain lifestyle, and, and we have no idea, you know, the things that transpire, mm-hmm. you know, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have built this facade of people, you know. We're thinking like, oh, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure some people thought, like, Veronica has it all together, you know. She, she's oh, living sure this amazing, <laughs> <laughs> amazing life. <laughs> Yes, it's you true. know, so, you never know what's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So I'm glad that you're out here and most of all, just spreading awareness about it and, and putting the, the light on it um, as it should be. And so I just thank you for just following your heart and your passion and your dedication with this and, and sharing your story. And I definitely want to thank you for coming on here and, and talking with us. And uh, the listeners definitely love you um, as well. And uh, just appreciate appreciate what you do and appreciate you thank coming you so on much. here. Absolutely. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. I really had a good time with you. So anytime. Absolutely, my pleasure. Um, before you get out of here, um, you have any own mm-hmm. final words or thoughts you want to share with the listeners? Um, I just want to say just follow your instinct, and that's God's voice speaking to you. And I just want to change the feeding a monster to feeding your soul. So I want people to stop feeding mm. those monsters and start feeding their soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, um I know uh with this book, um I don't know if 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 the question has been posed yet, but is it a possibility um of a film or movie that that could come from this? I've heard talks of it and I'm definitely open to it. So I think yeah. I think it would be a yeah. great film. Personally, yeah. I mean, yeah. non-biased, of course, but no, <laughs> I think it needs to be heard, you know, and I think people need, yeah. need to keep, you know, however we can get people talking about it, because everybody's not a reader, you know, some people Absolutely. read, some people don't, but this book, you know, Absolutely. usually for the non-readers, they still can read it. They go, they, they say that it's yeah. a pretty fast read. So if you're a non-reader, Absolutely. don't be afraid. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. And I definitely would love to have you back on here again anytime. So more than welcome to, to come back on here. Would love to have you. You're welcome um, to come on here and, and share with us at any time. So uh, once again, thank you guys you. go and check out um, Feeding a Monster by Veronica Loving, uh, available on Amazon.com, or you can go Go to her website, and I'll post um, her website as well, you guys, on the Beautiful Butterfly Show page. And so I hope you have a, a great rest of your evening, and, and we'll be talking with you again thank soon. You. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, absolutely. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, you guys. That was Veronica Loving. Make sure you guys go and purchase Feeding a Monster. I'm telling you guys, you're going to be in store for a treat. Um, of just the various things that takes place uh, with Veronica uh, and her family uh, through those uh, twenty that twenty year marriage period. Um, so of course, you guys, we're going to take a little break, uh, but we're going to come back and we're going to let you know who's in, coming up uh, this Thursday. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. But you did it Made a way Standing here Not knowing how We'll get through this test But holding on To faith you know best Nothing can Catch you by surprise You got This figured out Watching us now And when it looks As if we can't win Wrap within your arms And step in 
Good afternoon, kings and queens. This is your host, Anthony Collins from the Anthony and B-Fly Show. Today, I want to feature T.M. Brown, who releases her second novel, Struggles of the Woman Folk. Struggles of the Woman Folk is the story of friendship, motherhood, love, perseverance, spirituality, heartache, betrayal, and much more. 
This is an intriguing and captivating story that will appeal to readers of all walks of life. The book is full of words of encouragement for today's struggling generation. It is as relevant today as in days gone by. It is an easy read with a realistic, gritty dialogue that brings the characters to life. You can find all the works of T.M. Brown on her website, author slash tmbrown-com.webs.com. Again, that's author-tmbrown-com.webs.com, as well as on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, and many other online book sites. Do not delay. Purchase your copy today. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. Once again, thank you so much to Arthur Veronica Loving for joining us. Definitely appreciate it. Um, and her uh, awesome, awesome journey and story that she shared with you guys. Make sure you go and check out Feeding a Monster. Coming up Thursday, we got Josephine Thomas. Uh, we're going to be talking about her book entitled The Sex Counselor, uh, how she encourages women and couples uh, to live um, sexual um, empowerment. And so she's going to tell you what it's all about to be sexually empowered and how to have those conversations um, of your thoughts and your desires when it comes to intimacy with your mate. So you're not going to miss that. Join us this Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. So with that said, you guys, we're going to get ready to get out of here. See you this Thursday. The Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. <laughs>